Okay, so we're here today. Our special guest for our Pastor Jones. I affectionately call him Bishop. Anyway, um, so Pastor Mike, let's take five minutes or so and just kind of back up and take us from Oakland to Atlanta to Birmingham. Wow, I didn't know that we were going to be talking about uh, my personal life. I thought we were going to talk more about church. <laughs> no, we, we, look, <clears throat> there are folks that may hear this that don't know you okay. as well as we do. So for us at Harvest, it would be sort of a a recap, uh, maybe a, a reiteration of, of what you've done and, and where you've been. We'll talk about some other things, but there there might be those that listen that don't know you. Yeah. And we want to introduce you to those folks as well. For sure. Well, I'm a Bay Area kid. I was born in San Francisco, grew up in Oakland, and went through Berkeley mm -hmm. schools. Okay. And so uh, my mother was a Berkeley school teacher. Okay. So we were able to go to Berkeley schools through her, but we actually grew up in Oakland. Uh, early on, we lived in Berkeley, but uh, we, we moved to Oakland when I was about okay. 11 or 12 okay. years old. Okay. So graduated from uh, Berkeley High School, was an athlete, mm -hmm. uh, was not necessarily religious, although I went to church right. as a young man uh, because my parents forced me to go to church. They didn't go to church themselves, but we lived next door to the little Baptist church. Okay. And so uh, finished high school. My best friend found an Ebony magazine where they had the homecoming queens right. of, of of black colleges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, their front you, you center <laughs> was uh, Spelman College. Yeah. He said, hey, you know there's a college across the street from Spelman College called Morehouse. He said, let's do our first year over at Morehouse. Right. So my intent was to do one year at Morehouse College and then mm -hmm. come back home to California huh. and go to San Francisco State University, okay. study okay. to be a uh, elementary school teacher. Okay and uh, work with my mother uh, in schools and just kind of still live in okay. California. Well, I got to Morehouse College in 1980, and as soon as I got on campus, I was like a fish out of water. Um, everything was different. The culture was different. The food was different. The people were different. People talked with these funny accents. Mm -hmm. The weather was different. Everything was different. And so that first semester was awful. Uh, got in a conversation with a guy about God okay. and being from the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, God was whatever you wanted him to be. Right. And I felt like uh, it didn't matter what you believed as long as you were sincere. He challenged me about who Jesus was. Okay. I remember he challenged me to read the Gospel of John mm -hmm. and come to my own conclusions about who Jesus claimed to be okay. from his own words. And I couldn't escape it. Okay. Uh, that Jesus actually claimed to be God wrapped up in human flesh. Mm. And so that changed my life. That Jesus was not uh, uh, a, a prophet. He wasn't a great teacher. He right. wasn't just a religious founder. He was either God become man or, or he wasn't. And I, I went to church enough and my grandmother was my greatest spiritual influence I, I knew enough about the Bible and enough about Jesus to know that Jesus wasn't a liar. Sure. So uh, I started growing in my relationship with God, started going to the weekly Bible study that was on campus, mm -hmm. started developing some friends who were Christians. 
I made going to church a regular practice. And I slowly but surely saw my life change, and that was 1980, my freshman year at college. Okay, freshman year. Well, uh, throughout college, I continued to grow in my relationship with the Lord, learned how to share my faith with others. And although my grandmother prophesied to people in my family when I was four years old that I would be a preacher, this is when I really started realizing that could be a part of my life. Right. right. So upon graduating, I sensed that God was leading me into full-time Christian work. Mm -hmm. There was a group there called Campus Crusade for Christ. I knew that I didn't want to be on a college campus ministering, Mm -hmm. so they had an adult division called Here's Life America. And I was assigned to Birmingham. Uh, Reverend Pettigrew over at Sardis Baptist Church was also involved with Here's Life, and I was assigned to Birmingham because of him. So in the fall of 1984 is when I came to Birmingham, October of 84, I got to Birmingham and was involved with Sardis Baptist Church from then up until when we started Harvest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Harvest is... Just celebrated 24 years. Mm-hmm. Take us through how Harvest was planted, uh, sort of the, the process uh, that 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 may have been uh, sort of percolating back then. What what got you to the storefront, the idea of Harvest, and how did all that come about? Okay. So uh, backtrack just a little bit. I got to Birmingham the fall of 1984. What I neglected to tell you was that I was in a courtship with my college sweetheart, Kim. She was a a student at Spelman. Mm -hmm. And so we had planned on getting married uh, the summer of 1985. So I got to Birmingham in 84, was here. We had a distance engagement, got married in, in, in 85. We did ministry together up until about 1995. And Here's Life America nationally. There were about 25 cities. Each city would take on its own name. We were Here's Life Birmingham. There was a Here's Life Atlanta. There was a Here's Life Cincinnati, that kind of thing. So the national director felt like each city was too individualistic. He wanted the ministry to look kind of like McDonald's. If you go to McDonald's in Birmingham or you go to McDonald's in Seattle, Washington, it's going to be the same menu, same layout on the building, that kind of thing. But each each ministry took on the personality of its city. So they decided, well, we could do ministry a different way, and they decided to decommission or dissolve Here's Life America nationally. They gave us about six to nine months to decide if we wanted to do another ministry under the umbrella of Campus okay. Crusade okay. or to to do something else. Well, church planting and being a pastor was always on my radar screen. Okay. So we uh, counseled with my pastor, we counseled with some others, and we discovered that there were a couple of church planting opportunities okay. that were available, one of which was to plant a church with Briarwood Presbyterian Church mm-hmm. and Dr. Frank Barker. Mm-hmm. Uh, his words were, and I quote, uh, Michael, we want to help you and Kim with whatever you decide to do, but we want you to consider to come and help us. Okay. 
our denomination doesn't look like the body of Christ. We don't have very many African American PCA churches. We would love for you to come and help us in that area. And so uh, after that discussion, I went to talk to my pastor, Reverend Pettigrew, about the opportunity. And because he and Dr. Barker were friends, he thought, well, that might be a a good opportunity for you. Go back and talk to him and tell him that you'd be interested in planting a church under three conditions. One condition is uh, ask them if you can plant the church and not put the name Presbyterian in the church. So whatever it is, don't say Presbyterian church. He says, number two, ask them if you can have church the way you have church and make sure that you don't have to fit into a Presbyterian grid because black folk don't know anything about being Presbyterian. And he said the third thing is ask him Say, would it be okay if not only Broward Presbyterian Church helped you all get started, but if we helped you get started? So instead of having one parent church, ask them if there could be two parent churches. So you'd be a daughter church of not only Broward Presbyterian Church, but you'd be a daughter church of of Sardis, Baptist Church. I met with Dr. Barker, and he agreed to all three of the conditions he just said, we'd love for you to, to make sure you're Presbyterian. And I said, well, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. He said, we want you to pass all of our exams and be or, you know, ordained by us. We're going to recognize your ordination, but sure. we want to receive you. And we receive you by you passing all of our exams. And uh, make sure you come to Presbytery meeting. Sure. We meet once a quarter. All of the elders and the ministers in, in our area and you'll be a witness to us by just showing up. So uh, Kim and I prayed about it. We spent time fasting. We saw God's face, and we just sensed the Lord leading us to start Harvest Community Church. The name is interesting. We had, had, you know, bounced around a lot of different Mm -hmm. names. Mm -hmm. Before launching the church, we went on our last retreat with Here's Life. Okay. The guest speaker was a minister from Chicago, and we ate dinner with he and his wife. Kim and I ate dinner, and we just asked them questions because we knew they had a church in in Chicago. And their face lit up when they were telling us about some of the activities that they do in their church. And the wife said, one of the things that we love to do every year during Thanksgiving time is what we call Thanksgiving Harvest. Mm. And they explained reaching out to everybody in their community with boxes of love, reaching out to them with the gospel, reaching out to them uh, with acts of service. And they called it the harvest based upon Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, where it says, And seeing the multitudes, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed. They looked distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest that he might send out laborers Mm -hmm. into his harvest field. As soon as she shared that, David, Mm -hmm. a light bulb went off. Harvest Community Church. That's good. Harvest. And that's the origin of the name. That's good. Mm -hmm. good. Well, it's it's been, like we said, 24 years. 
um, it, you know, a lot of times we, we go into things thinking one thing and they evolve and change into something else. Uh, and, and certainly those, those three conditions obviously were, were how Harvard started. Where, where do you see us now? What, what, would, what would you say is, uh, how would you outline to somebody who uh, landed in Birmingham from outer space? How would you describe Harvest to those folks now? Okay. Well, that's, that's pretty easy, David. Yeah. Uh, in describing Harvest, I love to use the slogan that we use right. for the church, that we are a community of worshipers okay. committed to Christ, commissioned to serve and called to pray without ceasing and so the first thing I tell them it's really four things first thing I tell them is we're just a community of worshipers we're a family of people that are committed to the Lord and committed to one another Uh, we're learning it's been 24 years but we'll continue to learn how to be better and better worshipers where we we give God our entire lives, not just a, an event on Sunday, okay. but to worship Him in everything that we do. Okay. So, And then community, uh, being involved with each other's lives, being connected to one another, authentically loving one another, finding ways to connect, finding ways to, to, um, to be involved with sure, each other's sure, lives, sure. Um, encouraging one another, edifying, building each other up. So... So we're we're a community of worshipers, uh, although small. We're, we're we're a community of worshipers, mm. and then committed to Christ. Mm. I remember when we first started mm. the church. I don't use this term much anymore, but um, I would say we're committed to Christ. Right. Meaning, ninety percent commitment is ten percent short of where we need to wow. be, wow. and um, that commitment is with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Mm. That being committed means that you give God some time. You know, it's going to take time to show up places. It's going to take time to do ministry. It's going to take time to be involved. It'll take time. And whenever you have competing activities with your time, we want you to consider choosing Christ, choosing service. You know, so committed to Christ and then commissioned to serve. Mm -hmm. We, We are here because God has given us some assignments and some tasks to complete. The scripture says that uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So this committed to serve, this this commission to serve, Mm -hmm. means that we need to find our gifts, our abilities, our talents, find what God has, has, has given us as a personal bent and use that for his glory. Everybody can't do the same thing. You know, uh, a good example <clears throat> is <clears throat> myself and a fellow that you know and love in the mm-hmm. church, mm-hmm. Uh, Paul A. Pryor Jr. Indeed, Papa J. Yeah, well, Papa Jay's not going to, uh, although he would love to, he's not going to stand up behind a pulpit mm-hmm. and give you uh, a message. Right. But I tell you, if you need something fixed, Indeed. Or if Indeed. you need something worked on, Indeed. or if you you need somebody to come alongside you and help you with something, Paul Pryor is the man to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember telling Paul one day he came into my office. I said, uh, uh, Paul, you know I I preach behind a pulpit, <laughs> and so he said, Yeah, Pastor Mike, I like when you preach behind the pulpit. I said, 
and, and, and you serve this church. That's right. You clean, you fix stuff, you do things. I said, I want you to know that I know that what you do in serving this church is just as significant and strategic mm-hmm. as me preaching behind a pulpit. Right. And that's what we mean by commission to serve. You do what you do to the glory of God to build his kingdom. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Then lastly, um, you know, it's a funny story. Mm-hmm. We started off with it being a three-prong statement. Right. That we're a community of worshipers committed to Christ and commissioned to serve. Mm-hmm. We found when we first started the church that, uh, well, one of our members discovered that uh, almost every Sunday... I would say that when Jesus was in the temple, Mm -hmm. he would say to people, my house shall be a house of prayer. And my father's house is going to be a house of prayer. That when Christians meet, it's Mm -hmm. to be meeting, congregating as a a prayer, prayer group that we're to be a house of prayer. So one of the members said, well, Pastor Mike, if you think that prayer is such a priority, mm-hmm. and I believe it is too, mm-hmm. why don't we find a way to put that in our slogan? And immediately I thought, we are a community of worshipers committed to Christ, commissioned to serve, and we are called Call. to pray right. without ceasing. Mm-hmm. Called to pray without ceasing. And so... That's what I would say. If somebody dropped in from outer space and mm-hmm. they said, tell me about your your church, right. that whole idea of call to pray without ceasing. We've got a men's prayer breakfast. Mm-hmm. We've got a women's prayer breakfast. We have special times of prayer. Mm-hmm. We have a lady that gets prayer requests from others in the community. Right. That right. gets. We send out prayer emails. We, we're, we're a praying church. Okay. We believe in prayer. I guess some would say we're in the middle of COVID-19. Some would say... Uh, we're a third of the way through it. I guess it depends on if you're talking to scientists, um, clinicians, or, or maybe lay people. But certainly, it's 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 on us, and we're in the midst of it. Um, how has ministry changed during this time of COVID-19 versus perhaps where we were a year ago or five years ago for you? Hmm. It's changed a lot, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the learning curve had to be really fast. It was a it was a sharp curve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it yeah. wasn't a gradual curve. Yeah. It was a sharp yeah. curve. Uh, one of the things is uh, being in person. I think we took it for granted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think that we didn't see the times shifting. Okay. Uh, a lot of ministry now is virtual. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should have seen that coming, and we should have been doing virtual things all along. Okay. okay. You know, as, as technology grew, the church's technology should have grown. Uh, and a lot of churches have. Uh, smaller churches, we, we haven't. Um, I have uh, uh, had to discover ways of connecting. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing, David, is to connect with people now and to minister with people, you have to be intentional. Right. It's not right. just going to happen. It's not going to be, well, I'll just wait to see sure. so-and-so on sure. Sunday. Uh, you got to make that phone call. you got to send that text. you got to set up this meeting. You you really have to be intentional and mm-hmm. intentional on checking on people as well. Okay. okay. You know, so, um, so that's the biggest thing. I also think that... Um, 
creative ways to engage in in community outreach. Okay. Right. Because um, you know, I'm in the process of thinking through now, how can I connect with my community virtually? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. How can I make inroads in connecting with people that I don't know or connecting with the unchurched mm-hmm. or connecting or is my main ministry as a pastor going to be more along the lines of equipping the saints to connect with friends and family members who are unchurched that they have connections right. with. Maybe right. my ministry now is is just resourcing them. So I'm I'm kind of wading through the differences, but I do know that uh, thinking of creative ways to connect is huge. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. What has surprised you in all this? What what what, what has happened that you weren't expecting that 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 has just surprised you? Like really, like that aha moment, if you will, about all this. Mm. Now it may sound very shallow, but there are two areas that have really surprised uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. Number one, um, seeing that virtual uh, offerings that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, are are larger in in attendance than our in person services right. before COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah. That has really surprised hmm. me. I don't think I would have ever guessed that. Hmm. As a matter of fact, the first couple of weeks I I was bracing myself for a for things to decline. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. So attendance has surprised me, and then the other thing is giving. Wow. Uh, we have not only sustained our giving, I believe that we have either um, increased our giving in the amount of, of, of uh, tithes and offerings, or it is because our expenses have lowered, sure. but we've seen okay. growth in, in, uh, in the resources huh. that we have huh. as a church. And that has surprised me because before this started, well, when it started, right. I thought that there would be a decline in sure. that in sure. that area as well. So those are probably the two biggest things. Okay. Um, let's look forward a little bit. Um, year 2020, we're 24 years in, like we said. Uh, what are three things, and I know you like three things. What are three things, Bishop? Uh, that you feel are important that Harvest must take care of over the next 10 years? Okay. Um, Number one, we have got to um, develop a better plan Uh of of membership assimilation. Okay. Where uh, traditionally this has been a problem for a lot of churches where uh, new members walk through the front door Mm -hmm. and over a course of of a of weeks or months, they're walking out the back door, okay. and and you never see them anymore. Okay. And that is a breakdown in our system of mm-hmm. assimilating okay. new members into the church. We've got to do a better job of that, um, or else ministry won't continue. We're all getting older, right. and uh, we've got to see new folks. That dovetails into the next thing, okay. and that is. We've got to do a better job of ministry to children and youth. Okay. Not just the children and youth that we have, mm-hmm. but reaching families sure. with young sure. children uh, because they're the future of the church. Okay. You know, we've had a whole generation of children grow up in the church. My third daughter mm-hmm. uh, was a a infant. Right. She was a diaper right. baby. Right. 
when we started the church. She mm-hmm. has grown up and now she's mid twenties, sure, young sure. young adult. Sure. And so we we need to see a, another generation grow up in the church. There was a time where we had more people in our congregation eighteen and younger than mm-hmm. we had uh eighteen and older. Families with children. Families with children and it was incredible and, and, and that was the life of the church, mm-hmm. you know, as well. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing uh, and uh, some Harvest members don't like to hear me say this, but it is true. The third thing for me anyway in the next 10 years is we have to pray and ask the Lord to raise up a successor mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. as as pastor. I don't know if, it, if, if it'll even be 10 years. It may be the next five years. Right, right. But someone with a heart for God's people here mm-hmm. and a heart to continue... Uh, the vision that we have of being a community of worshipers committed to Christ, commissioned to serve, and called to pray without ceasing. Okay. Um, and, 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 and so uh, it could be that the Lord is calling us to raise up some ministry interns or to build relationships with younger ministers right. who, who may be interested in, in you know, uh, taking the baton. But for me, that's very important. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is uh this has been good. Our, our first foray into this, so uh, and I enjoyed you, Pastor. Thanks for thanks for spending a little time with us. Thanks. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming out.